Hey everybody, welcome to the Into the Adultverse audio experience. Uh, we're coming at you straight from quarantine and today's a giddy. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about time management, especially because it's such a topical subject with all this free time on our hands. Yeah, so we're going to try and uncover some of the secret uh, interventions or strategies that you can implement to try and make the most of your free time now so that you can come out of this a better, wiser, more successful person. Definitely. And quick disclaimer on this episode, we understand that quarantine is a very difficult time. You know, people are going through a lot of anxiety and things like that. And we're just trying to present some ideas that might help you, uh, you know, uh, accomplish some goals throughout this time. But at the same time, you know, take as much time as you need for your mental health. Don't feel pressured to accomplish things. You know, grind Twitter is all like, oh, you got to you got to learn a new skill before this ends. And like definitely you, if you have the capacity to do it and, you know, the willpower to do it, do it. Uh, but for sure, take care of yourself during these challenging times. And we're back. Um, so time management. Time management is a huge topic. There's a lot we can talk about, you know, on this thing. Uh, but I think uh, I wanted to start it off with kind of just like a discussion of, you know, like the space of time management and how many different tools are out there and what kind of tools you use to kind of keep yourself on track. That's, that's what I kind of had in mind. So, um, yeah, I don't know, like what, when, at what point in your life did you go like, yeah, I need to start taking time management seriously as, you know, like a subject to kind of help me be more productive and not just like, Oh, like I'll work harder type of thing, but rather I'd work smarter. Um, for me, that was probably around my, like to around first year university time. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think most people can um, relate to the whole idea that high school didn't really prepare any of us like really well enough for the whole university experience. Um, mm -hmm. We just kind of just got thrown off the deep end after high school. So yeah, um, for me, up until like the end of high school, I really had no proper studying strategies in place, which is to say I had no proper time management strategies in place. Mm -hmm. um, and I translated that into um, school in my first year and that was just not sustainable and it really I really got a horrible horribly adverse experience out of that and that's when I realized like okay well I gotta try something else because this is not working at all so there's this whole realm this whole world of um, self-improvement productivity um, that people love diving into people love finding new productivity hacks and there's a whole bunch of them out there and in pre prepping doing a bit of prep for this episode I actually looked at it instead of time management I looked at it in, at a lens from how can we curb procrastination because I think procrastination is probably like the biggest problem that we are facing right now so mm -hmm. I was um, I don't know are you familiar with Adam Grant Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so he is like the polar opposite of what it means to be a procrastinator like he's a procrastinator mm, and yes. he is he, honestly he's like really neurotic because like i don't know how anybody can work like he does he gets so much done in such little time but he was kind of looking at this and um trying to figure out how we can do this well because he was interested as in as an organizational psychologist i believe Mm -hmm. um, into the whole realm of uh, procrastination. So he was doing a bit of research on it and I have a few 
strategies here that uh, he was suggesting that people implement. So mm-hmm. to start with, it's important to come at a place. So when you're diving into something like a new project, you're studying for a new test, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's important to start from a place where you're forgiving yourself for all the previous procrastination you've done. Mm-hmm. Start with carte mm-hmm. blanche. And don't worry about like all the missed time or whatever it is that uh, preceded where you're at now. Mm-hmm. Because it's easy to drag yourself down. You know, you you, you start Absolutely. studying for like this new test or you're getting into this new project and all the thing, the only thing on your mind is, oh, man, like I wasted so much time on these other projects. I wish I got yeah. started earlier on them. I could have been so much further ahead. Oh, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Just all this negative um, rattle filling your head. Definitely. Uh, what this reminds me is of like that that quote that's like um, the the best time to plant a tree was twenty years ago. The second best time is today. It's like that's so true with with procrastination. Like obviously you should have started last week. You're a bucket, but like you know it doesn't matter because either you're gonna start now or you're gonna hate yourself for not starting now and starting a week again. You know what I mean? So the best thing to do is like free up that anxiety, free up that guilt. You you, you are a person. You make mistakes. You know what I mean? And make sure to like accept that before moving on because that's just just gonna slow you down for sure. Absolutely. Oh, and it's there's a lot of inertia that comes with that too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, another huge problem, and like I, we kind of touched upon this with our um, podcast on habit forming. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to resist temptation if you remove temptation from your environment. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to take those, you know, quote unquote, five minute, 10 minute breaks from studying just to check Twitter or Instagram. Mm-hmm. And you check the time, you realize, oh, shit, I just spent a whole last hour on this quick five minute break. So one solution to do that is just, you know, toss your phone out of the room. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's just not in there in the first place. Or um, there are extensions or apps you can use to limit the amount of time you're allowed to spend on certain other applications so Mm -hmm. you can lock your time on twitter to like half an hour or however much you set it to Mm -hmm. definitely or completely lock yourself out of it so there are things you can do um in that domain as well but it's so much easier to just completely cut it out rather than trying to rely on willpower to try and mitigate the amount of time you spend on those things Definitely. I'm glad you brought that up because willpower is such a finicky thing. And uh, one thing that I found that really, really helps me with regards to willpower is things like time blocking. Um, like, I don't know if you've ever used like Pomodoro, Pomodoro timers or anything like that. Oh, yeah, I was going to that too. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that's like really, really helped me like an extreme amount in like my my productivity world. Like having the ability to set aside those blocks and knowing that I have a break coming is so, so powerful for me because it kind of just like motivates me to get through that chunk of work. So for for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, the Pomodoro technique, I, Pomodoro means a tomato in Italian, I want to say? Yeah, yeah tomato um, timer. Tomato timer. So you know those like classic tomato timers that are like you press them and then they ring in like 25 minutes or those like bakery timers that like, you know, you wind up and then you can set to whatever time. So it kind of comes from that. But the essential idea is um, the classic Pomodoro is 25 minutes on, five minutes off. So you do four cycles of that. So like, let's say you want to work on like an essay where you say, okay, okay, for the next 25 minutes, I do nothing but work on this essay. And then after that 25 minutes, I have five minutes to do whatever the fuck I want. Um, And then you do that again, you repeat, rinse and repeat four times. And then once you've done four times, you get an hour long break where obviously, yeah, you can do whatever you want. 
And then you just keep rinsing and repeating that cycle. Um, and so I found it to be a very, very powerful way to like kind of get me in the mood to work. Um, and, you know, knowing that the next 25 minutes are followed by a break is very, very powerful because it kind of guilts you into working and you, you're not going to take a break unless you feel like you've earned it. Um, and also kind of takes away like the the temptation to check during the 25 minutes because you know you're going to get a break anyway. So you have a chance to check. And I find that very, very powerful. Um, yeah, I don't know if you've ever used that or if you have thoughts on that. I have some more thoughts, but I want to hear your experiences with it too. I have used it actually. And um, I'm very much a fan, uh, especially coming from a place where I think rather than time management, um, a lot of people actually struggle with attention management. And mm. I think that's very much me. Uh, it's it's fairly easy to block out time in a day for a certain task, but whether or not that time that you allotted is actually spent doing meaningful work is a completely mm-hmm. different story. I've definitely been guilty of setting aside an hour for a task and then spending half of that on my phone. Mm, yeah. So the Pomodoro timer helps with the whole accountability aspect of making sure the time that you've allotted is spent doing actual work, especially because those embedded breaks really do... Uh, serve to motivate you to actually get some work done because you know that there's that light at the end of the tunnel you don't need to finish mm-hmm. everything in one go you can take some time to decompress and then head back into the work and again like cycling between the um, diffuse and focused modes of learning mm-hmm. as well um, it helps to get better work done because when it comes to those uh, those little breaks that we put in where we're checking our phone it takes energy and mind power to or some of that cognitive bandwidth to cycle between those things so you're switching from one train of thought into another mm-hmm. and then back to the other one and it it takes a lot of uh, bandwidth to do that so these short breaks are a qu- are a good way to just try and stay as close to that one train of thought as possible mm-hmm. yeah that's a really important point context switching is very real so for those of you who don't know like context switching I mean, it's pretty obvious, but like switching between different contexts itself has a cost. So you can imagine like, let's say your computer processor, obviously I'm going to think of the technologies, my bad, but <laughs> let's say you're a processor and you know, you have A, B, and C to work on. Um, you would think that in an ideal world, you could just work on A for five seconds, B on five seconds, C for five seconds and switch through those. And it would still equal the sum total of whatever work you do. Uh, but for humans, that's definitely, definitely not the case. And there's a lot of studies we can link that show that. But uh, context, context switching itself has a cost. So you want to expand the amount of time you have like focused on one task where you don't have to like keep the other task in the back of your head. And so... Um, there's actually a lot of research done on this too but what that does is like the more you can focus on it the more likely you are to get into something called a flow state and flow is like one of the most powerful tools in work there's a lot a lot of science behind it there's actually a great book um i always forget how to say his name it's like some next albanian russian name or something like that Uh, yeah 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 yeah, that guy yeah um but um tldr um flow state is essentially like where you're so into your work and so engrossed in it that time just seems to flow by. Um, we've all kind of had that moment, whether it's like, you know, for, for some people it might be editing me- like music or like making a beat or like playing soccer or, you know, whatever, doing something artistic. Uh, but regardless, there's like a moment where you just like forget time's going on and you're so engrossed in what you're doing that everything just feels effortless. Um, and it, it obviously takes some like practice and focus to get into that, but 
Uh, a big thing about flow state is getting into flow state. Sometimes it's just a matter of spending more time on something. Mm-hmm. So what that 25 minutes allows you to do is, you know, maybe it takes you 15 minutes to like just start focusing on the problem. But once you do, you can just like stay on that problem and you can, you can skip breaks, you know, keep in mind that Pomodoro isn't like a, a cut and dry. Like you have to do 25 minutes on, you have to do five minutes off. Uh, you can mod it for your personal use, whether that be like 45 minutes on five minutes off, 10 minutes off or whatever you want. Um, but Oftentimes I find that, you know, once I set that timer and it's like 20 minutes in, I don't even need to take that break because I'm so interested in what I'm doing. So sometimes I'll even like skip my breaks and things like that, which is really, really cool. Um, So important thing to keep in mind. It kind of just helps like jumpstart that process of getting into that flow state. Yeah. Getting into that flow state is probably the should be the highest goal when it comes to um, delving into work, Mm -hmm. because as you said, that's when the best work gets done. Um, And another thing when, uh, kind of touching on that is multitasking like as in reference to the whole context switching we are notoriously terrible at multitasking like there's plenty of research that shows that and a lot of people will kind of delude themselves into saying like oh i can do it effectively you really can't like you <laughs> yeah. stop lying to yourself absolutely um, the quality of the work that we produce when we're multitasking is significantly um, sabotaged uh, relative to what we can do uh, if we were to say solely focus on one task mm-hmm. and I think it's important to realize that our subjective measures of our objective performance is mm-hmm. very different from, uh, yeah, yeah. What it, from what our objective performance actually is. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that I came across is also perhaps creating a to don't list. Like Everyone has a to do list, right? Mm-hmm. But when you're setting out to accomplish something in a day. There, I think there are certain few things that we all love to waste our time on and go back to. Mm-hmm. And by writing down and manifesting everything into this to don't list, there are certain things you know that, okay, I've had this down, I have this contract I forged with myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to avoid doing these things um, today. And by calling yourself out like that, I think it's a lot easier to uh, focus on the things that you do want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, have you ever tried some of that? I don't list. Actually, I haven't. It's really interesting that you bring that up. Um, you know, I think I have like a pretty good idea of what like doesn't work for me and what I don't like to do. But it's that's that's a really interesting concept. And it, what what that makes me think of is like the difference between taking like a a good break and a bad break, especially in the context of Pomodoro. Like, you know. Th- all breaks aren't created equal just because you're like on your phone, like scrolling through Instagram. A lot of times, like when I do that, I don't feel like, you know, I've actually had a break and I still kind of feel on, like, especially if I open up a new tab and like my break is just like, like command T open up a new tab and like scroll through Reddit or whatever. Sometimes it doesn't really feel like a break. So like, I think an interesting point of that is like, whatever's on your to don't list, like you shouldn't necessarily just slot that into your breaks because those are on your to don't list for a reason. Like they're not really mm-hmm. conducive to the work environment. What I found that works a lot better is like something like, you know, like going upstairs and talking to my sisters or something like that. Or like if you're at Thode Library, shout out McMaster, uh, <laughs> just like walking around and like talking to a friend for five minutes. Like um, I find that works really, really well. Actually, my biggest success with Pomodoro have been when I pair it. So I did it with a friend and we, we were on the same like 25, five off or like 45, 10 and off or whatever it is. And we take our breaks together and that that's helped a lot because, you know, you kind of get into that diffuse mode of learning where you're talking to somebody and like the ideas are like kind of bubbling around in your head 
And when you're talking to somebody, you're fully engaged with them. So you're still like fully engaged in something and it's completely different from what you've been working on. So that really helps. But the idea of a to-don't list, I think is really, really powerful for sure. Um, so what are some things on your to-don't list? Um, well, I, most of the things on my to-don't list can be solved just by keeping my phone in another room while I'm doing work. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I know that there there is the whole like do not disturb setting, but... <laughs> by having my phone in reach it still gives me that that inkling that urge to check it anyways mm-hmm. so yeah for me just my phone is the biggest toxic parasite in my environment <laughs> yeah um and yeah that's if yeah my problems are solved if i just keep it out there well, what about you yeah um you know just thinking about it off the top um yeah phone is huge for sure um i think i do a lot of like uh this is coding specific but like i do a lot of like needless work when i when i code that like i definitely don't need to do at that moment so like let's say i'm coding like a specific function to accomplish something i'll like check like other files that like you know i don't i don't need to check or like have nothing to do with the project and i'll just like oh let me make sure that these are working properly and it's like just a way for me to stay busy without being focused um so i do have things like that as well so like i should definitely add those to my to don't list and I think stuff like that is definitely helped by um, like kind of like also cleaning up your digital environment. And that's something I wanted to get into as well. But like having things like only one tab open, like I sound like a psycho saying that because like, you know, for a long time and I know a lot of people do this. Actually, I have a lot of tabs open right now too. But like, <laughs> you know, those people who have like a million tabs open. I was always that guy. Like I had so many tabs open. It was always like the most satisfying feeling after a midterm to like go in and close all, all your oh, tabs yeah. and you feel so good. But one thing I've realized is that um, our online environments are literally, and we talked about this in our first episode, but they're literally an extension of yourself. Like you are part of your online identity now and having that clutter in your, in the back of your computer, like it does clutter your mind. And like mm-hmm. we said, like context switching is obviously not the way forward. Like humans are bad at multitasking. When you have a million tabs open, you don't remember what the first 30 were. Like guaranteed you don't, you know what I mean? So something that's been helping me a lot is like, closing files in my editor or like um, closing tabs in my browser window. So like I'm focused on one thing. So like, let's say I look something up. I'm like, oh, how does this function's output go into this function? Like I'm Googling that Stack Overflow question and I have that one tab open, maybe three or four if they're all on the same topic. But like uh, once I'm done with that, I close them and I go back to like whatever I was looking at. So like closing things for sure and making that a habit has been really, really powerful for me to like, you know, stay focused on the task at hand. Um, and I think digital clutter is just as dangerous as, you know, physical clutter, like making sure your physical spaces are open and clear. Uh, that's a big thing for me. My desk is a little messy right now, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> but um, like having clutter on my desk just makes me feel less productive. I don't know what it is. Like it, it just like increases the amount of friction I have when I'm like trying to accomplish something. So, yeah. Yeah. Even like for me, even just like a messy room, like it, it's something so simple as just making your bed when you uh, wake up in the morning can really make a huge difference as to how you can just I just looked at my bed. On, it's right? definitely not made. <laughs> <laughs> I only uh, made it for the, the call today, so it's okay. I'm the same <laughs> okay. Um, But yeah, no, it's definitely having like a clean working environment just makes me feel more in the zone too. Like there's less distractions in my environment. There's less things for me to, like I'm the type of person, any small stimuli will distract me. Mm-hmm. So I had to try and make sure that I form or create my environment in a way that minimizes that. Otherwise, like, again, everything's trying to 
this everything in my environment just fighting for my attention at this Absolutely. point yeah yeah and you got to remember that your attention is very valuable and things take your attention even if it's not intentional so like you having your phone by by your desk and you seeing it light up with a notification like that is taking attention away from you whether you want it to or not and so being intentional about things like that saves so much down the long run you know what i mean so yeah that's that's a really important thing to keep in mind your attention is the most valuable resource out there today that's why a lot of these major tech companies have teams of people working towards fighting for it too and making sure you stay on their platform the longest definitely and something something important about that just like the kind of the idea of discipline and this is like a debate that you know shouldn't be a debate but is and i kind of see why and i kind of ascribe to this too there's a whole Mm -hmm. like oh like you know when you have a routine and when you're so disciplined, you kind of like take out the spontaneity of life. You know what I mean? Like you're not going with the flow. You don't have as much like new things to explore or like what if like a spontaneous plan comes up? Like you're just going to say no. Um, And it's like an argument a lot of people make about things like having a morning routine or like having a nighttime routine or going to sleep at the same time and waking up at the same time every day. It's like, oh, doesn't it get boring? Um, And I think the best argument I've heard against that other than like, you know, obviously in my own life, I haven't seen that to be the case, but um the best argument against that is really at the end of the day, uh, when you make a routine, you have the freedom, you're exercising the freedom to choose what you spend time on. And when you don't have a routine and you just like kind of go with the flow, you actually have less freedom because what you're doing is you're allowing other things to choose what you want to do. And so, you know, the question of freedom, I always find so funny because like you actually have way more freedom when you're the one deciding because you get to be sitting down and thinking, what do I want to accomplish, you know, in this day, in this week, in my life? Um, and how do I want to accomplish that? When do I want to accomplish that? You have the freedom to choose all of that. But when you're in the moment and your boy's like, you know, do you want to like play this game or whatever? Like you are a slave to whatever is happening in the moment and you're not making that decision. And so it's like kind of like a present me versus future me type of thing where like you want to make those decisions for future you and you don't want future you to be a slave to their circumstances. And I found that a re- the really, really compelling argument. Um, Cause yeah, I got to admit like for a long time I was like, yeah, you know, if you do the same thing every night, bro, you're just boring. You know what I mean? And like, you know, on Fridays and Saturdays, I just like send it or whatever. But like, <laughs> like there, there are five other days in the week where I think it's very, very valuable to have that routine and to make sure. sure that, that you're on top of your stuff. Yeah. 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 You hundred percent end up a lot more reactive if you don't have that um, mm-hmm. structure built in, but where do you, so is that where you personally stand on it? You think it's better to have routine and structure? I mean, like anything in life, I think it's a balance for sure. Um, but I've definitely found that, you know, things like a morning routine and nighttime routine, at least for five days of the week, I got to run it like morning routine, especially I think almost every day, unless I'm like super hungover, I have like a very strict <laughs> morning routine. Like, you know, it's usually like wake up, um, like drink some water, take my multivit, go to the gym, come back, drink a coffee, shower, go to work every day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like there are certain things and certain orders I do that in. Like, you know, I brush my teeth before I do this type of thing, whatever, blah, blah, blah. That like I find helps me stay on track and and just like way more productive. And, and you know, we talked about a lot of things like um, like the consistency aspect last, last episode. And I think that's very, very valuable in, in the sense that doing those things every day has really allowed me to like kind of see my progression and chart my progression as I go as well. So right. I think that's super, super valuable for me. It kind of helps me stay anchored. If, if, okay. if you So will. let's unpack this a bit. Cause like, as I'm thinking about it, I can see a couple different threads on how it can tie in well with the rest of the episode. But so 
looking at that whole topic of like routine, um, mm-hmm. building instruction to your schedule and everything. I'm of this school of thought. Do you know who Jocko Willink is? No, I'm not familiar with him. So Jocko Willink is, he's just a savage. I don't know how else to describe him. He's just, he's a savage. Retired uh, officer of the United States Navy who served on the Navy SEAL teams. Jeez. Yeah, SEAL Team 6 commander. Um, This guy's just a legend. Uh, Yeah, yeah, jeez. He is probably the most disciplined person that I've come to know. Like, uh, yeah, compared to likes of, like, David Goggins, if you know who that is, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm very familiar with Goggins. I read his book, actually, but great book. Yeah, he's... Phenomenal stories come from these guys. For sure. Um, But Jocko parrots kind of this this adage, this notion that discipline equals freedom. Mm -hmm. And at first, it seems counterintuitive. Because how could that... Like, how could confining yourself to certain things allow you to be more free in other things mm-hmm. but when it comes to integrating these different structures into your day it actually takes out a lot of the um that the tax on cognitive bandwidth that that comes from having to kind of react and figure out what you want to do on the fly every day mm-hmm. which is why you see a lot of the ultra successful people they have their days planned out to the minute if not the hour Mm -hmm. and by integrating certain times in your day for for example creative work it allows Mm -hmm. you to be more creative because once that that you once you start approaching that chunk of time where you've um, taken out of the day for creative work your brain starts getting into this uh, this loop this routine of okay let's start piecing together these things in different ways like let's see how i can Mm -hmm. be creative today and we are creatures of habit so mm-hmm. you're they, you're taking a lot of the the hard work out of your brain um, in integrating these routines, mm-hmm. and there's this quote right that if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. Yeah, and I think that's a great segue into um, if you, have you heard of Parkinson's law? Yeah, I have. Do you want to Ooh, explain it for nice. the, whoever hasn't? Yeah, for sure. So Parkinson's law is. Work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion. Mm-hmm. And I, I love this. Like, there's so many different ways you can take this. Mm-hmm. But I think we can really greatly misjudge the amount of time it takes to complete a task. So sometimes we find ourselves giving ourselves too much time to um, complete something. So mm-hmm. we'll give ourselves two hours to complete a one-hour task. Mm-hmm. and Or worst case, like we give ourselves like a week to complete a, ca- a task that could have taken just two days to do. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, we tend to overcomplicate the problem and we give ourselves more hoops to jump through to fit that week schedule. Mm-hmm. And it is not necessary at all. So th- we can definitely look at Parkinson's law as a beacon or like a, I guess like a North Star to figure out how to better organize our work schedule. Yeah, Absolutely. I think a really powerful thing about Parkinson's law, kind of just on the same vein, is that um, it works in reverse too. Like, if you have four weeks for an essay, and you know you procrastinate the entire four weeks, and you have you write it in like one night from eight p.m. to like four a.m., you compress that four weeks into that seven hours or whatever, right? Um, so like, it, it's powerful the the opposite way too. So like, let's say you're super pressed on time. Like you can try and use that to your advantage as well in terms of like scheduling out this time, this day, 
and realizing that like, you know, maybe if you do it like two hours a day for like three days, it's six hours instead of like the eight hours on that one night. You know what I mean? But yeah. But yeah, that's like, so again, like going back to the, if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. Mm -hmm. When you have less time on your hands, you tend to cut out the bullshit. You go straight Mm -hmm. to the cut and dry. Okay. What needs to be done and how can I get it done? Mm-hmm. Um, and in doing in putting it in that framework we allow for not only uh, like more work to get done but for better mm-hmm. quality work to get done as well so one way you can leverage Parkinson's law in your favor is to make a list of tasks that you need to get done and then divide them by or like sorted by the amount of time it takes to complete them and then mm-hmm. give yourself half of that allotted time to complete it Mm-hmm. So if you if you give yourself two hours to um, get a task done, you ha- you're placing new constraints to get it done within an hour now, mm-hmm. and you have to f- see this time limit as crucial. You have to impose it as um, like a hard deadline, because otherwise, you know, we we're we're a little too forgiving on ourselves a lot of the time. And even though we say one hour, we know we have two hours, so we're not really working as hard. Mm-hmm. So. I think it's useful to try and leverage the intrinsic um, competitive nature a lot of us have in us to try and like fight against ourselves, try and beat the clock to try and like not only just put out work, but put out good quality work too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this strategy is particularly useful if you do have a hard time following your own deadlines and taking them seriously. Mm -hmm. So it'll be so it'll be a cool exercise in figuring out how accurate your time projections for tasks are and some of them will be spot on to start with because you'll find that okay i gave myself two hours to do this and i'm trying to do it in one hour but this really is a two-hour task Mm -hmm. so for those it's you'll figure out okay now um there's a lot less signal to noise when it comes to um, allocating the time for this stuff and then Mm -hmm. you'll also find that okay i gave myself a week for this but i really did only need three days mm-hmm. so th- yeah you can be a lot more productive when you uh tackle projects this way mm-hmm. and it's definitely a matter of experience too right like you get better at estimating those things as time goes on and mm-hmm. the more intentional you are about like making sure that um you follow those things and like you actually measure them as well is very very important so you know i'm gonna bring up i don't know if there's this you know about this youtuber named thomas frank yeah yeah, I love this guy. He's like super, super gem. Like I got into him like three years ago, I want to say. And like, it, 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 he's just a great guy. Um, yeah. Very, very nice. And like, just like, he has a lot of gems on his YouTube channel for sure. Um, like but Matt Devella, Nathaniel Drew. Matt Devella, yeah, Daniel yeah. Drew, those type of guys. Yeah, it's like a whole, like once you get into one, bear recommendations, YouTube's algorithm yeah, yeah, is yeah. sick. Yeah, um, but yeah, so just kind of like one thing that he definitely does is he really encourages people to kind of like, vet their productivity systems and make sure that they're clean and organized week to week. So the same way that, you know, you like every week, you like clean your room on a Sunday and like do your laundry and like try and make everything tidy or whatever it is. In that same way, you should be doing that with your productivity systems as well. Because like you mentioned, the signal to noise ratio is really important. And when things start becoming more cluttered, like let's say I have a calendar and my calendar is full of events that like, you know, don't belong there or like, a recurring event that doesn't happen anymore or like you know 
I don't use my calendar anymore because like blah, blah, blah. Like that's that stuff sort of like weighs you down and slows you down as well and makes you less reliant on your productivity system because you know that, you know, certain things don't work or whatever it is. So a very like powerful thing that he does is like every Sunday, just as you, you know, would take that day to clean your room, do your laundry, blah, blah, blah. Take that day to like go through your calendar for the week and make sure every event is meaningful. And when you get a notification for it, like you're likely to do it. And like, it's something that matters. It isn't just like something random that you slot in. Take your time to go through your notes. And like, you know, if you just were randomly opening notes throughout the week, like that didn't have a subject, like put it into the right folder or things like that. Go through your desktop, like delete random screenshots that you have or random downloads that you don't need. Things like that. Like decluttering your digital life and like digital minimalism is like such an important thing in my opinion. That's like really, really helped me because when I look at my calendar, if there's things that like I don't care about, I'm way less likely to use my calendar. And, you know, things like color blocking times and like categorizing things using different calendars. Like, you know, I have my productivity calendar. I have like my school calendar. I have like my personal goals calendar. I have my workout calendar, things like that. Um, I use iCal personally. I find it really powerful just because like I have a Mac and I have an iPhone as well. So um, that's like Stuff like that is really, really powerful for sure. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, if it's interesting though because looking at calendars, I've also seen that certain highly successful people. It, it's it's so strange because um, I guess how it works with success is that you fight to get as much as many opportunities as possible to fill your calendar up with. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it becomes this snowball where you start attracting way more opportunities once you get to that level, right? Mm-hmm. And after that, it becomes a interesting point where there's this breaking point where, or it better said, it, this inflection point where you start cutting out things from your calendar instead of adding them because mm-hmm. you have so many opportunities around, right? So it's it's a bit of a tangent, but I think it's important when you're starting out to tr- yeah say yes to as many opportunities as possible. So that eventually you can afford yourself the the luxury of being able to pick and choose what you want to fill your calendar up with. Mm-hmm. But it's just important to be intentional with it when you're starting out too. Because there's no point in filling your calendar up for just the sake of being busy. Like being mm-hmm. busy is a trap. Because, mm-hmm. I don't know, there's just weird bravado that follows suit. In almost like in a braggadocious way, like oh sorry, like I can't hang out with you guys today. You know I got to do this. I have a meeting at this. I got to meet. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. so many different ways to fill your calendar, right? Yeah, Yeah. and that's such a weird thing to be proud Mm -hmm. of. I want to say, like you know, you would think that life would be better spent spending spending that time with like with your friends, with your family, going out for these cool experiences and stuff like that, and. I don't know. It's just be intentional about what you fill your calendar with and make sure that it aligns with the goals that you have for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, real quick, reading suggestion. I don't know if you've read it. Essentialism. It's a really, really good book. Uh, but I haven't li- read it, no. It's literally on this subject, um, like exa- almost exactly what you said, but like the idea of like saying no to more things actually gives you more freedom. And yeah. like taking that time to reflect on like what are the things like you can add the most value to, but also that are adding the most value to your life. And really, really prioritizing them. So like I mentioned, like on that Sunday or whatever, Sunday just happens to be the best day for me, obviously. Like, you know, if it's another day for you, it's another day for you. But like, you know, at the beginning, it might be like looking forward into the week and like trying to like figure out what opportunities are available to you and scheduling them in. 
but it also might just be like yeah like i was gonna do this and this and this and grab coffee with this person on this day or whatever and like you know actually i don't really think that's the best use of my time maybe i want to spend an extra hour playing piano that day and you like delete it you know what i mean so like being like being like very focused on what you want to accomplish throughout the week and that that's an opportunity to do that too to reflect and like to make sure that everything there is adding value um and yeah i mean really really great book but there's like a number of like case studies it does especially with like consulting work and things like that where it's like you know once you say no to more projects and you deliver really really well on the projects that you focus on it actually like ends up opening a lot of doors for you and things like that so great book if you haven't read it it's a short read too so i'll link it in the description for all you listeners amazing um so i guess um reining it back into the topic a little Mm -hmm. more Mm -hmm. um so we last time we were talking about the like, where the 40 hour work week originated mm-hmm. so i was actually curious so i looked into it mm-hmm. and it turns out so at the turn of the century like around the time of, like the industrial revolution mm-hmm. people were actually working insane work weeks like 80 hour work weeks Jeez. yeah and um it just a lot of people were unhappy with it so eventually uh, i can't remember who it was but somebody passed legislation that um promised government employees a 40-hour work week. Mm. And this was just in the public sector, though. And Henry Ford, the business magnate and icon, <laughs> he was doing a bit of uh, research himself into figuring into seeing the effects of a 40-hour work week as well, just, just to experiment with it a bit. And he found that, in large part, there's only marginal benefit that comes to more work after that point. Mm. So 40 hours, you can get the bulk of work done. And eventually, like after that, just like diminishing returns pretty much. And it's a very ephemeral thing, too. So he popularized the 40-hour work week within the, the private sector. And the, some economists were predicting, like, okay, we went from 80 hours to 60 hours to 40 hours. Eventually, we're going to be working, like, 15-hour work weeks by 2030. <laughs> now, obviously, it doesn't look like we're like heading that des- direction necessarily. But um, there have been a lot of different... Uh, like entities that have been playing around with a four-day work week Um, and I think Finland so Microsoft Japan is probably the most famous of that recently Mm -hmm. Um, but even Finland's prime minister has been very vocal about her support for uh, implementing a four-day work week and a six-hour work day in Finland Mm -hmm. which is you know it's great to see like someone at least being a trailblazer in that domain because we're by and large seeing that especially now um during this whole time of COVID 19 where more and more people are working from home mm-hmm. we're seeing that we really don't need the 40 hours that have typically been allocated for in the office because most people mm-hmm. are just spending half of that time just like browsing the internet trying to fill that time yeah a lot of socializing and, to you know side desk conversations yeah, exactly. and all that yeah so and going back to the previous uh point with like parkinson's law right we really don't need all that time. If we can spend half of that just doing work, we're actually putting out more effective and high quality work, especially mm-hmm. because we get to ingrain more breaks into our schedule. So we're just wasting less brain power overall. So how I'm curious to see if when you're setting up your workday or routine now, that like you're working out from home too, right? Yeah, yeah. How has that changed since being in the office? Oh, absolutely. That's changed so much. Um, I think, look, first off, I completely agree. I think, you know, Parkinson's law is so important here because a lot of the times you think like, oh, I'm going to accomplish this by the end of the day. And you do accomplish it by the end of the day. 
but you realize that you could have accomplished it by lunch or something like that. It really just depends on like what kind of like boundaries you give yourself and things like that. And, you know, I found, and I think most people on my team personally at Tesla have found that um, when you're working from home, you actually have some of your most productive days in the sense that, I mean, with this COVID stuff, it's a little different because obviously like news anxiety and all those things are a thing. And like, you're worried about loved ones, but it, we had a uh, work from home days on Tuesdays and Fridays on my particular team at Tesla, like every week. And those days were some of the most productive days. In fact, my manager is telling me like on a lot of those days, he feels like he has some of his best work because he doesn't have to worry about meetings. He doesn't have to worry about meeting people, going up the stairs, things like that. He just sits down with a problem and wrestles with it for like six hours straight. And in that six hours, he can accomplish way more than he did at eight or nine in the office. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So I definitely, definitely see that. And like we mentioned, like, it's all that stuff about focus and context switching too, right? Because you're making a conscious decision to focus on that thing and you're not like context switching to anything else. And so necessarily like that six hours is way, way more productive. And that's not to say like some tasks do take longer. Some tasks are busy work. You know, sometimes you just got to grind and do it. But I think a big thing about work that's changed is that, you know, we're not in the industrial revolution anymore. Like you're not just bolting and you know, maybe there are a few people listening who are like factory workers whose situations might be different where um, there's sort of more of, of a linear relationship between their productivity and time. So like let's say you're a factory worker and your job is to like bolt this thing together to another thing. Like obviously it takes a set amount of time. And like if you're in the office for longer, quote unquote, the office, like for longer then you know, you're going to take like you're going to have more output. Right. But um, and I, I think most people in this like sort of service-based economy like don't have that situation anymore where um their productivity isn't directly related via linear function to their time spent on something right so when you're doing creative work like it's not like 10 more hours equals 10 more videos edited you know what i mean or like um like even if they're the like they might not even be of the same quality or things like that or like when you're coding like 10 more hours doesn't mean 10,000 more lines of code like you know sometimes you get like one line of code per hour you know what I mean? Like, and it really depends on the problem you're working on and like the way you can solve it and the amount of create creative reign you have over that. And there's another really interesting book on this. I'm full of these suggestions today, but it's called drive by <laughs> Daniel pink. Uh, it was actually suggested to me by my manager at Tesla, but it's a really, really fascinating book on like how work has changed and how kind of like what we do at work has changed to the point where most of us are in creative industries now and work doesn't support that work is still kind of predicated in the idea of you know clocking in clocking out and things like that which are definitely not true obviously when you work from home but like on a num- in a number of different industries like that's just ceasing to be the case um and so i think really really good read for sure but yeah kind of going back to your point on that whole like work from home mentality i think a really important point is to just like, yeah, time block and set aside times where you know you're going to be working on one thing because it just helps you be way, way more focused. And if you can do those little things and take like smart breaks, um, I think if anything, you'd be more productive. And obviously like, yeah, there's a lot of things that go into that. Like, I can't lie. There have been, you know, I've had my fair share of challenges in terms of working from home and like, you know, loafing and like being on my phone and things like that. But um, I think it definitely takes some getting used to and adjusting to. But once you do it, I think most people would agree that 
it's actually a really, really good thing. And in fact, um, you you watch Gary V on Instagram and, and stuff, I'm assuming, yeah. right? Yeah, so yeah. Gary V actually released a video recently. And it was funny because in 2017, Gary V had said, you know, I think work from home is bullshit. Like, I don't care who you are. I know you're not as productive at home. Personally, at uh, VaynerMedia, we... Um, we don't do work from home. Like I love the side conversations. I'm very into like, um, the like the hustle mindset or whatever. And like I played a lot of team sports growing up, and I love the fact that you're all in a team in an office, like you know, working on this, whatever, blah blah blah. And I think there's obviously a lot of truth to that. But he actually released a video recently where like the first soundbite was him doing that, and then it's him in 2020 from home, and he's talking about how like you know his mind's like definitely been changed throughout this experience by like the amount of like productive things he's been able to do from home and the amount of output his team has had personally as well from home recently. And, you know, like productive team meetings where, you know, it's an investment to go into that zoom meeting. So, you know, maybe you write the email instead to like save everybody's time on that meeting or, you know, you have those more direct conversations because you're more apprehensive about like calling somebody and wasting their time. Um, Right. So things like that have definitely like, it's interesting to see that like even people in, you know, that are like considered quote unquote influencers in like the work world are also seeing how work from home can actually be a benefit. And I was definitely one of those people that was like, you know, I'd way rather come into the office. And I think I still am. Um, especially as an intern, there's a lot of things you miss, but I still think that like, there's a lot of value in working from home that, you know, people shouldn't discount and should look to take advantage of for sure. And like having that blend, I think is probably like the optimal um, level to have. I, I, I agree with you. I don't think I would want like a fully remote experience. Like I still enjoy the social aspect um, of going into work, especially when mm-hmm. you're working with super interesting and motivated people as well. Definitely. Um, and like with this whole thing like the whole um transition from working within the like a brick and mortar location to uh remotely it's cool like not even just at the corporate level but at the individual level too to be open to the idea of change and i love gary for making that public about how he was wrong before yeah and like owning up to um how he's changed his mind on this because one of the biggest like traps you you can fall into is that whole trap of oh well like this is just always how we've done it, mm. and just defaulting to that routine right. Um, mm-hmm. Stay open to change because there's a lot of benefits that can be had from it, and even if you don't get any benefit direct benefit out of it, you can learn what not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that the famous like Edison quote right? It's like I haven't failed two hundred times. I've fi- figured out two hundred different ways that don't work absolutely yeah and that changes with the times too and like i think you you mentioned a really good point like you know this is kind of just a reality like i'm self-isolating until thursday i haven't seen anyone in years you know what i mean i'm like (laughs) i yeah i could like you know be like oh fuck it was so much better when i was in person like i missed that you know blah 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 i missed the side table conversations and all that's true but at a certain point you got to be like you know this is what my new reality is and like I can sit here and be sorry for myself or I can like start thinking about ways that this can actually work in my advantage. And, you know, for different people, that means different things. And, you know, everybody takes it at their own pace. But if that's you, and you know, some of these tips have helped you. Best of luck on your journey, bro. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's a good end to the episode. Um, you know, keep us updated with what you what's working for you in this like, you know, crazy time. Um, things that, you know, have helped you always look into like learn new tips and always try new things out. Absolutely. So remember during this time, make sure you practice some self-compassion, some self-love. Mm-hmm. Be patient with yourself mm-hmm. and take care. Cheers. Cool. Cheers. Cheers.